coming off of a bye week, week eight, you're playing a home game against the Falcons. That would be the first checkpoint to think, does a change need to happen? Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are we doing in New Jersey? Um, I'm great, and I, I came back with the facts today. I know what New Jersey is the number one state in. What is that? And, and, that, and that is not not in pumping gas but they are the only state now in america that they will not allow no they will not allow you to pump your own gas you have fascism to get you have to get it oregon just uh kind of made that not a law anymore so now it's only in new jersey so it's not just an offering for them to pump your gas you legally cannot do it yourself the nope. state does not trust you as an adult human being and as an American citizen to pump your own gas. That, that is correct. Is just about the most un-American thing I've ever heard and totally on base with what I expect from the state of New Jersey. Um, I, In other random things, I'm just now realizing this shirt wasn't the greatest uh, idea to wear in front of a green screen because there's little green parts of the flower that are the same as the anyways, the parts of me are invisible. Um, but welcome to the show. <laughs> We've got a, a good one and a weird one today. We've got an awesome guest and Nick Suss who we'll bring in here in just one second. We're going to be talking all things Tennessee Titans and getting a fresh perspective on training camp. Nick and I have been out there for the past couple weeks, pretty much every day, watching, observing, commenting on what we've seen so far. We've got a couple things to discuss, such as the first official unofficial depth chart that was released in the last 24 hours, which um, raised a couple of eyebrows, but it didn't seem all that shocking to me. I didn't find any part of it all that surprising, but we'll check in with Nick on that. I want to talk quarterback battle. I want to talk wide receivers who does and doesn't make this roster uh, defense versus offense in camp. All of those fun things. We'll get to that with Nick in just a second. But before we do, just a couple of procedural things here at the top. If you were joining us live today, thank you very much. This, of course, is the episode for Wednesday morning, but we record live on Tuesday evenings. And you're, if you're with us, do me a huge favor. Hit that like button, retweet, um, send the link to a friend, whatever you can do to uh, get this live stream in front of as many eyes as possible. I would consider it a, a big personal favor. So thank you very much. If you could take just a second to do that. And then if you would not mind heading on over to the YouTube page of Broadway Sports Media, that is where you're going to find this live stream. And the comment section there is where you can leave comments. So if you are watching via YouTube, or excuse me, via Twitter or X, um, or Facebook, that's awesome. But if you want to be a part of the conversation, and we would love for you to be a part of the conversation, head on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page and find this live stream. That's where you'll be able to comment, and we'll be able to see it on our end. All right, I've made him wait long enough. Let's bring in my buddy Nick Suss, who writes for the Tennessean. Nick, are you there? JT, can we add him in? There we go. Nick, can you hear me? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm sorry for this drab background. I could be showing you gorgeous Nashville skyline. Wow. But every time I sit in front of it, I completely become invisible. Right. So, it's like you're the anonymous person on the documentary that was willing to speak, but not um, without the shroud of anonymity, which kind of could have been kind of fun. But I understand why you chose to have the the better lighting. Um, we, we wanted to talk about Titans training camp with somebody that would bring a fresh perspective. And I, and I speak with you a lot at training camp. And um, I think that 
your perspective is great. I think you're very brilliant, very bright, um, very, uh, very good at making observations that go over the heads of others such as myself. So I wanted to get your two cents on a couple of things and let's start with uh, maybe we'll start with the quarterback position. It's the easiest sure. one to talk about. It's the one that is most talked about. Um, obviously, Ryan Tannehill is and has been the starter for this team, but there's been some talk recently in particular about the Will Levis versus Malik Willis battle for for the backup position. I'm expecting that we'll see both of them in some um, significant action this weekend in the first preseason game. I'd imagine they probably split up those reps and we'll get to compare and contrast there. But what have you seen from camp and where do you feel like we stand with those two on the depth chart? It's really tough to evaluate them both because my main takeaway has been whoever's working with the second team looks better that day. Hmm. Like, yeah. This, essentially, it has come down to when Malik Willis is throwing to Reggie Robertson and Racy McMath, if those are your second team receivers, he right. looks better than he does when he's throwing to Gavin Holmes and Kiaris Jackson. And the yep. same is true of Will Levis. It's not the most eloquent observation, but quarterback's easier when you have better players to throw to. And in, it would probably stand to reason that they would both look pretty good if they were throwing to Traylon Burks and DeAndre Hopkins as well. I just don't know. I, the, the separation here, one thing I've really liked is that Tim Kelly, more so than Todd Downing, it seems, has been willing to draw plays that Malik Willis can do that nobody else can do. Mm. Seem like they're just trying to fit him into a Ryan Tannehill-shaped hole in the offense. I think they're trying to let him do his own thing, and I think that's made him look a little bit freer. Not something we saw a ton of last year. Yeah. No, and when we did see it, he was lined up at tight end and running weird. It was it was strange. Fumbling the ball. It was a bad scene all around. But now we're seeing a few more option plays. We're seeing a few more read plays. Places yeah. for Malik to to do stuff that, that he kind of thrived in at Liberty. And with Willis, or sorry, with Levis, I think what we're starting to see is a guy who has real good command of a huddle, who looks really good operationally, Yes. who just needs to learn to finesse the position a little bit better. And I'm not talking about the draft complaint that we've heard for months and months about he throws too hard, he throws too hard. I just mean the guy is processing everything properly. I just don't know if his body is doing what he's processing quite yet. And yep. that's not an insult. He's a rookie quarterback who hasn't even played a preseason game yet there is a speed of the game that you have to adjust to. And he's adjusting to the speed of the game. And I thought he's looked really good in red zone drills. I thought he's looked really good in two-minute drills. I've, I've always been impressed by what he can do situationally. But I think we still need to see a little bit more from him on second and 10 from the 35 in the second quarter. Just like the day-to-day -day stuff that makes you a pro. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys know this and your listeners probably know this. I mean, I, I'm coming from covering the SEC for 10 years before I got right. this. Job. I am so accustomed to quarterbacks who look like Will Levis in the SEC. Of like They are 10 times better than their teammates, and they have to play hero ball. I saw it when I covered Matt Corral at Ole Miss. I've seen mm. it at Georgia. I've seen it at LSU. I've seen it a bunch of places. And like these quarterbacks go from being the dude, being the guy who has to do everything for the offense to work, to being maybe the sixth or seventh most athletic player on the field. Like yes. there is an adjustment process there. And I think that's what Levis is conquering of. He threw a lot of interceptions in college, but some of it was because 
screw it, what else am I going to do? I have to win the game. Now you have to play within the framework of other guys can win the game just as easily as I can. Thinking about the trajectory of both of these guys that we've seen from the spring um, and with Willis going all the way back to last year, do you anticipate us having a clear answer? Well, let me ask you this first of all. Are you, are you of the mind that they keep three quarterbacks on this yeah. roster when they cut down? Yeah. Okay. So that being said, do you think that we'll have a clear answer in three weeks when they no. cut down as to who the number two is? No, and I, I don't necessarily think it'll matter. <laughs> um, obviously, nobody can predict when injuries happen. I think that's 100% right. People will ask, and we will try. And at the press conference, it will be repeatedly drilled at all the coaches, and Mike Rabel will continue to say they're both on the team. So I, I think that's 100% right. But, but let me put it this way. If there's a week I have circled for has Will Levis surpassed Malik Willis yet, it's week eight. You're coming off the bye week. You have the London mm. game week six, bye week week seven. If the Titans are struggling, which their schedule is not the hardest before the bye week, but if the Titans are struggling, coming off of a bye week, week eight, you're playing a home game against the Falcons, that would be the first checkpoint to think, does a change need to happen? Ah, so I, I, think, I think it's more important to ask, hey, who's the backup quarterback coming out of London than it is who's the backup quarterback week one? Because if all things go off without a hitch, your plan is your plan week one. You're going to play one quarterback. And then week two, you're probably going to play one quarterback. And then week three, you're probably going to play one quarterback. And, and when do you start to evaluate, hey, should we do something different? That's probably about week eight coming off the bye would be when I say. I think that's fair. Um, and and we're, let's move on to another position group here. But real quick, if those of us that are listening live have any questions for Nick or myself or for JT or just in general about the Titans that you want to, you know, thoughts, comments you want to get off of your chest, head on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page and you can join the conversation like Music City Malik has. Appreciate you being here live with us. Nick, let's talk about the wide receiver position. Yeah. And this is a conversation that you and I had the other day in the bubble when it was raining and it was really about the skill position um position groups rather on this team and how many of each they keep. Looking at wide receiver first, do you believe that they are I think that you and I agree that it there are five guys that really don't have a lot to worry about in terms of making the sure. roster. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, um, Chris Moore, NWI, and Kyle Phillips. Yep. The question becomes, okay, beyond that, you've got like seven guys fighting for one, maybe two, but I'd be kind of floored if it was two spots. And, and even then, it may be none. They may choose to just keep five. It's not out of their own possibility. What do you think happens at that position, and who do you think may be vying to join that group of five? What I think happens is that Racing McMath is the sixth. Really? Now, I'm not saying that because I have any deep-seated intel. I don't want you guys to, to read this, this the a, wrong way. A vibes take? What I'm saying is they had these guys last year, and who'd they pick? Mm. Like, Reggie Robertson, Reggie Robertson sorry, has looked fantastic. There this have been great. days when he has looked like the third or fourth best receiver on this team. Yep. Has he gotten so much better this year that he's going to make the team after not making it last year, or has racy made it so much worse that he won't make it like one's a shiny new toy. 
because you haven't seen him play before. One has decreased value because you have seen him play before, and he has, what, four catches in three years in the NFL? Like, right. there is a lot of logic to saying, oh, try something new. But there's also a lot of logic to saying, if you're predicting an outcome, are you going to predict the thing that you've seen happen before? Or are you going to predict the thing that you haven't seen? And just purely playing the roster math. I mean, I wasn't here last training camp. I, I know you guys uh, have a little bit longer than I do on the beat, but like, weren't we all talking about Reggie Robertson last year too? Like, wasn't everybody I, kind of hyping him up? I mean, there there was a Reggie Hive for sure. Yeah. I don't I don't think it was to this extent at all. And and McMath, I mean, Racy had a significantly better training camp last year than this year for my two cents. I mean, rate. Pretty, pretty boy Lipschitz in the comments says that he's looked horrible. And I mean, you, you and I, horrible is a strong word, but he is one of the receivers that is regularly having procedural issues, you know, constantly being, having, having to be corrected, running drills that he in year three should have down, um, dropping balls that are in his hands, you know, running routes um, in a way that causes coaches to get on to him in practice. Like, it's been rough out there. So are you saying that's what you, I don't think you're saying that's what you think should happen. That's your prediction, right? That's what you think may happen. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm sharing this as somebody who was asked, who do you think is going to be the sixth receiver? Okay. So let me change the question then. Who would you keep as the sixth receiver? Probably, or would you probably Robertson? I would think hard about that will cross your mind. I would think hard about Dowell. Okay. I would, and please don't excoriate me in the comments. I would honestly think about Mason Kinsey, the way he has looked in camp, just as guy mm. who can be Kyle Phillips insurance. I, mm. I don't necessarily know if Kiaris Jackson can do more. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. I, I don't know which guy should be considered your second slot receiver, but if you are going to commit to playing a lot of downs out of the slot, then you might as well have a second guy who can do that. And, and you have Tajay Spears. So well, I, guess I was going to say, who is to say that Kyle Phillips is not actually DeAndre Hopkins slot insurance? That could be the case, but DeAndre Hopkins, I looked this up when I was doing my report uh, back in July on, I watched every snap DeAndre Hopkins took last year. Right. I'm fairly certain he lined up on the left side of the field, like 84% of the time. Oh, interesting. Like, the dude just has a spot he likes to be. Mm. And I, I don't know if that's going to translate. I don't know if that was just a factor of Cliff Kingsbury's offense, but he didn't really move around very much last year. And he did move around in Tim Kelly's offense. So I'm not going to say that he can't do it again, but I, I would still kind of predict that DeAndre is going to be an outside receiver. Well, you mentioned Tajay. Let's talk about the running back room. And uh, William in the comments asks, how has Tajay looked? And do you think that they keep Haskins? Let's address those questions one at a time. And I think the Haskins one opens us up to the, the grander debate of how many running backs do they keep and who are those running backs? But well, how have you felt about Tajay's camp so far? Tajay has looked not quite as excellent as we made him out to look in May. I'd say that that's fair. Yeah. But very good. Yes. And I think the two things I appreciate the most about Tajay, one, he still finishes every rep in the end zone. He, mm -hmm. he doesn't care. He is going to keep running after he's been tackled and he's going to mentally envision himself going all the way to the end zone. And I think that's really impressive for a young player to keep that trait going. And two, he takes reps with the first, second and third strings. 
Like no matter what unit is out there, Tajay doesn't have the ego to say he's not going to take the carry. And I think that that's been pretty impressive, frankly. Uh, I, he's not going to start over Derek Henry. I mean, that's that's something sure. we all agree on. But I think he's going to have a pretty sizable role on this well, team. I, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a decent amount of two running back sets from this team. I was talking to Teron Davenport about this the other day, and they, they you know, that's something that we've seen with Tim Kelly offenses in the past. Using Tajay in that slot role is something that they are clearly interested in doing at times. I wouldn't be shocked to see both of them on the field for a, a decent amount what, of time. What's the point? Like, I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's a good idea. But what's the point of having a second running back on the field with Derrick Henry if your plan with Derrick Henry is to use him like Derrick Henry? Like, well... I think it, I think it gets to the the heart of that positionless ball that they're wanting to play, and the idea of yeah, Derrick Henry's on the field, but you don't necessarily know what we're going to do because we have more firepower on the field outside of Henry. You know, they they have used Henry out of the backfield as a receiver more and more the past two years. Maybe not out of the backfield, but just as a receiver in general. Um, having them both on the field, one in the backfield and and one in the slot, I, I would argue is an element of not deception is the wrong word. Um, unpredictability is what it might add to the offense. It does. And I like when the team gets less predictable, but I also think that using tight ends might achieve that better than using two running backs. I think that the two running back system is something that everybody dreams up and everybody loves the idea of. And then you realize there's a reason that so few teams actually do it. Mm. Like if it was such a great idea, we'd see it a lot more in the NFL and it's just something that been watching the NFL my entire life. Like you guys have teams have had two pro bowl caliber running backs on their team at the same time. And they never use them at the same time. Like there has to be a reason why teams don't do it. If it was such an effective idea. I think it's fair. That's fair. So, so speaking to the other half of that question, how has Haskins looked and, and maybe does it even matter how he looks? Do we think that, this team will choose to take the easy off ramp of the 53 man cut down. You know, we don't, the legal situation, it's an easy PR win for us. We're going to, we're going to part ways with you. We've got three or four other guys at this position that we feel like we can move on without you at. I don't know. Haskins has looked like I thought he would. I mean, all these running backs are essentially who we think they are. And I don't know if you were there the other day when, when I was talking about this, but there aren't that many kinds of running back. It was me. Yeah. We agreed there were three. It was like Henry ish Spears ish. And then in between. And, and Haskins is probably the closest thing this team has to an in between guy. Totally agree. So, so if you're trying to have all three different types of role, then yeah, it makes sense to keep him. But if you want to have four running backs and it's Derek Henry, Derek Henry light, Ty J Spears, Ty J Spears light. Haskins gets left out. Haskins is incredibly valuable on special teams. We saw last year Haskins didn't really impress me that much as a running back last year. We'll see if the baggage matters. I, I think there's a good chance it can, but I don't know. Jonathan Ward has looked good. I liked the way he played last year, especially against Jacksonville. I think he's yeah. got some potential. Julius Chestnut's a guy this team has liked for a long time. He's maybe going to end up on the practice squad, maybe the active roster. Haskins, We'll see. The unfortunate thing for the Titans timing-wise, and there's a lot more unfortunate in this situation than timing, to be clear, but right. the timing thing of the unfortunate situation is his court date's after cut day. 
the so day after, I believe. I think it's the 29th and the 30th, yeah. right? So they're going to have to make a decision before they have all the details, and they tend to not like doing that. Yep. So I don't know if that plays in his favor or out of his favor, but it is something to note. Let's complete the trifecta here. Let's talk about the tight ends. Sure. Um, we, we've seen a number of guys. I mean, obviously, Chikakonkwo coming into the season, a lot of expectations. Um, do you feel we've seen from him what you expected to see from him? I, I feel like the arrival of DeAndre Hopkins maybe impacted his um, workload in, in the passing game, maybe the most, at least in practice. We've not seen him getting the ball nearly as much as we saw in the spring, for example. Um, but beyond that, when he has had the ball come his way, I, I felt he's looked like we expect him to look. What What do you say? Yeah, no, he's he's the guy I think he is. I, I truly don't know what's going to be the end result of Hopkins and Burks uh, taking away workload from him. But if he's a guy who gets three and a half, four targets a game, eh, he can probably make the best of them. You'd like him to get targeted more. But we saw last year he's going to make the best of his opportunities, and I don't think that really changed. What, what fascinates me about the tight end position is I think I did a 53-man roster projection Sunday. Hmm. I projected five tight ends on this roster, not because I think all five are going to make it, but because I can't differentiate which one or two won't. Hmm. Like I, I separated players between locks and maybes, and hmm. Chig was the only player I considered a lock. To I agree. Them. Wiley probably makes the 53 by virtue of being the draft pick, but between Wiley, Raider, Mac, and Wesco, I am not convinced that all four can't make it. I just don't know who's going to separate. And Mac getting hurt obviously hurts his chances if he can't get back before uh, at least the second preseason game to, to be able to put some stuff on tape. But I really don't know. I, that That's the position that – oh, I take that back. That's the second position that I am the most – confused by what they're going to do when it comes to to roster day uh the biggest position being outside linebacker i truly have no idea what's going on there mm. beyond well, three guys well, uh, let's move in that direction sure. real quick i want to address a question from the comments from jordan here asking with spears looking the way that he is do you envision another year of derrick henry um should they choose to extend him after this year I, for me the answer to that question is ask me in six months what, what say you and for me, I think the answer is sounds like something you should probably read in the Tennessee in the first week of September. Mm. Okay. No, okay. Short answer. Who knows? Like probably, probably Derrick Henry should get an extension. Derrick Henry's probably going to run for 1300 plus yards again. He's a very good running back, but right. Is the offense heading in a way that goes away from giving a guy 350 plus touches? We'll see once the offense. Well, starts. Or is, is the team headed in a direction where they're looking to offload their old expensive talent? You know, a lot can change just in terms of team building in one sure. season. So that's certainly part of the the uh, the answer to that question. And yeah, I, I think we're on the same page there. Let's talk about let's let's touch on the offensive line real quick before we we briefly touch on the defense. Um, we were talking about this on the show yesterday, Nick, and I want to know if you agree. For me right now, I would say that the Titans season largely hinges on the play of their offensive line. And that is a, a bit redundant because you could say that for a lot of NFL teams and maybe just football in general, because you do, in fact, have to win and lose in the trenches. But this team in particular, if you tell me their offensive line plays well, I'm I'm pretty confident in the, the rest of what they've got. If you tell me that they don't, 
I'm not sure the rest of what they've got matters. What is your opinion on the offensive line so far from what we've seen? I might be even more reductive than you. I might say it come the, the most important player that's a question mark right now is One simply Andre Dillard. Mm. Like, mm. And we, just, we said this as well. Yes, I agree. I have no idea how good he is as an NFL starting left tackle. And nope. I don't think anybody truly does. You're, you're betting on his potential as, as an athlete, as a guy who can play well, who can move in space well. You're betting on that. And I don't know the answer to it. Uh, I don't know if there's going to come a time where Skaronsky merits a look out there. I don't know if Dillard's going to look like the guy who should have been starting all along. I, I really don't know what the answer is. But look, the right tackle situation, the best thing that can happen is that you don't think about it. Like the best <laughs> thing that can happen is Chris Hubbard or Justin Murray or Jalen Duncan, whoever ends up playing there, he starts six games and you never say his name. Like that's the best case scenario. Well, that's also, like, I think, a fantasy scenario. Like there, there's just no way that happens, right? But, but, but that's my point here is that. Right, yeah. When, when we're talking about offensive line play, we're often talking about are guys going to be bad enough to lose you a game? Yes, yes. Like that's the worry. It's less about can this guy win us a game? Just be serviceable. Be serviceable. Can you do your job to a point that my dad's not drunkenly yelling your name at the television screen? <laughs> yeah, right, right. That has always been the goal of an offensive lineman. Is that's a good benchmark. The noticed one. So do I think that Chris Hubbard, as an example, will be good enough to not have his yelled, his name hurled at the screen by every Chuck and Frank in Nashville? I don't know. I would think that he's probably going to be a serviceable pass blocker and maybe a bit of a downgrade as a run blocker. But we'll see. We'll see how good Dillard can be. We, we, is it going to be an upgrade over last year? I still think so. But is it going to be enough to make me say I think the Titans are going to win games because of their offensive line? No, I haven't seen enough to tell me that yet. How confident are you at this moment that Hubbard is the guy we see in September week one at the right tackle position? I, I don't want to say I'm confident about anything because that's just generally not my vibe. Sure. But... Yeah, I, 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 who else? Like, I, I don't think Jaylen they've Duncan, run out of options, right? I feel, I feel the same way. I don't think Jalen Duncan's ready. Justin Murray's been here two days, and I haven't seen him rep that tackle yet. Did he rep a tackle today? No, I, I didn't see him. Not, not outside. No, certainly no. not with the first team. No, uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. But right now, I would say Hubbard feels like the guy, and he's a nice guy. He's a good player. Like he's done his job, and I've been impressed by how quickly he has emerged uh, you would think that knowing Mike Vrabel knowing the way this team runs you tend to go with the guy who has seniority but mm. he showed up and took the job over in two or three days and I know there were extreme extenuating circumstances around that position yes but you do have to be impressed by how quickly he seized hold of it let's talk about the defense for a minute or two before we get out of here um a couple different places we can go with this first of all uh, the general 10,000 foot view of training camp. The vibe has been, and this is certainly how I feel. And I'd imagine it's how you feel, but I got to check. The defense has been winning most days. In my opinion, is that, are we on the same page there? I will add one adjective, but yeah. What, what adjective, what are we adding to this? The first team defense ah, has been winning. Sure. Most days. I would say, yes, because the depth of the defense is 
bad. I, I, I would say the third team offense is notably better than the third team defense, but they're both a disaster. And I would say the second team offense and the second team defense have been roughly even. Yes, I agree. So there's a gradient to it all. But the yes. best 11 versus the best 11, the defense is one. That has um, the second not to take anything away from the secondary. They have looked good. And Chris Harris has been loud enough to make it known to everybody within a 10 mile radius how well they have been performing at times in practice. But it's it's the guys up front that are are largely doing the the wrecking of plays and ruining things for the offense. And that's how the Titans have been operating for a while now. Is there a guy or two in in the Titans linebacker core or on the defensive line that has impressed you or surprised you either positively or negatively so far at camp that you, you think deems worthy of talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's an established guy, but Danico Autry's looked real good mm. when he's been out there. Like there are days where it seems like Danico's not taking as many reps and that just might be a seniority thing. Yes. But, like Danico Autry has looked 100% himself after kind of playing banged up last year. I think we've talked a lot about Arden Key because of how much Arden Key is willing to talk about Arden Key. But Arden And Key, we love that, to be clear. Arden love talking to Arden Key. Good. He's quite good. Uh, yes. I've been covered, I covered him when he was at LSU. And I've, oh, awesome. You know, I, I thought he was a top five pick after his sophomore year, and then stuff happened. But hmm. he, uh, he's, a, he's a good football player, and obviously Jeff Simmons is a good football player. Aziz Al-Shair has looked very good. I am skeptical the Titans are going to have a front seven. I think that front five might be the more yep. apt term. I'm, I'm with you. I see the Titans run a lot of dime, mm-hmm. but that front five looks real good. Jordan Lowry has a question in the comments, and I appreciate him coming to ask us this because he, he texted me this question right before we got on the show. I was like, hey, how about you ask this in a couple minutes when we're live? And he did. He said, I have a question for you. Do you think that the success the defense is having is them just being really good or is the offense struggling and vice versa for the offense? Do you, do you see the, so I think what he's, what he's asking is from what we've been hearing from camp and what you and I have seen the defense, the first team defense winning a lot. Is that more of a glass half full? The defense is quite good. This is there's continuity here. They've got star players or does a, or is it a glass half empty situation where, yeah, the defense is, they're fine. They're good, whatever. This offense is is a concern. I'm going to try really hard not to hedge here. Okay. But this is a really easy question to hedge on, so I appreciate that. I think a lot of it is a factor of this defense is running a scheme that's been running for five years, Mm. made up of mostly players that have been here for most of those years. And the offense is doing a lot of new stuff with a lot of new players. So I don't know if it's a comment on the quality of the offense or the newness of the offense. It I can see. be either. So this isn't a hit. This, this is me telling you, I think the offense is behind, but I am not yes. sure if it's behind because of quality or because of installation. So I was thinking about this today when I was asking Christian Fulton about Sean Murphy bunting. And the reason I was thinking about it is Sean Murphy Bunting is quite possibly the only person who's going to get significant reps in this Titans secondary who has ever played for a team other than the Titans. Mm. And that's novel, isn't it? Like it is Kevin Byard only been with the Titans. Amani Hooker only been with the Titans. 
Christian Fulton, Roger McCreary, Trey Avery, uh, Elijah Molden. Caleb Farley, baby. <laughs> Caleb Farley. Chris <laughs> Jackson's played out. No, Chris Jackson's only played for the uh, Titans. No. Right? Yep. Yep. So when you're when you're looking at this defense, you have Aziz El Shair, you have Arden Key, you have Sean Murphy Bunting, you have guys who have played elsewhere. Danico Autry. Danico Autry. Yep. Elsewhere, but Danico's been here a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a group of guys who have not just played in the system together, but grown up together, which is something that is kind of underrated as what makes this defense go is that again, with the exception of inside linebacker, just about every position group is homegrown and homebred. The offense, ugh, you can't, you can't say that like not the offense, close. There's a lot of guys who are learning to play together. There's a lot of guys who are learning to play the way the Titans like to play. You go up and down the roster. Who is starting at a position week one this year? Who started at that position last year? And the answer ends up being Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's a good core to have. You're going to go down as a top three quarterback and a top three running back in franchise history. And both of them might be closer to one than three, if you ask me. But Mm. it's still a lot of non continuity. And so, I'm not going to come here and law lavish praise upon the defense. The defense has looked good. The defense is supposed to look good because all of these guys are Titans defenders and the Titans defense has been good for most of the last five years. I know there were a couple of blips in there, but this offense, it's new. It's very new. And I don't know as much about it. No, I think that's, that's great analysis. And um, before we get out of here, just I, w- I want to touch on the secondary in particular because um, it's the, really the last group we haven't touched on. You mentioned all that continuity, and that certainly is the case. And in a very relative terms way, I think that this cornerback group is the deepest on the defense. Um, that there, like we, we've mentioned, there's a lot of shallow groups. That at safety, it is a, a disaster after your top two or three guys. On the defensive front, you don't have a lot of reserve. Uh, linebacker, the same way. At cornerback, you've at least got five or six guys that you trust to actually be on the field and not be a complete and utter hindrance to the team. What have you seen from these guys so far? Anybody in particular that you feel um, warrants speaking about? I know with Christian Fulton, I at least have been maybe not surprised, but impressed by the way that he's come back from his spring away from the team in a contract year with DeAndre Hopkins to line up across from often in camp now. And he's, he's been playing his butt off out there. Yeah. Fulton looks better. McCreary looks better. Molden looks better. Trey Avery, Chris Jackson look roughly as good as they were. Hmm. Um, Murphy Bunting looks like he's going to be an important piece. Like uh, I think his voice, his perspective is going to be real important. And as guy who put Armani Marsh on his projected 53 before Kevin Byard started talking about him. This is true. Dudes looked good. You were in before it was cool. Not trying to brag. I just (laughs) simply looked at who was running with the second string and thought, hey, that's pretty novel, right? That's a guy, yeah. But uh, no, the cornerback room is upgraded. But I've been writing this since February. It's upgraded without really making any changes. So Sean Murphy Bunting is a change. Beyond that, it's all the guys who were in the secondary last year when they ranked 32nd in the NFL. Yes. So like 
getting better is important and being able to grow is important. And Chris Harris is probably going to do a really good job of changing the way the secondary works. But let's not ignore that these are the same dudes who were out there last year. And the only dude who wasn't out there last year is a guy who his team chose not to retain. Mm. So I think the secondary is going to be better. And I think that is probably a function of last year's injuries were so over the top intense in the secondary that it was really hard (laughs) to keep any continuity. Yes. But let's again, let's keep the perspective of a secondary built mostly around Christian Fulton and Kevin Byard and Roger McCreary and Imani Hooker and Elijah Molden is what the Titans had the opportunity to do last year. And it, it wasn't the best. So these guys are going to have to be a lot better to get back to league average level on elite. Guys, he's Nick Suss. He writes for the Tennessean. He's fantastic. He's my friend, and he's so kind to give us some of his time to join us on the show and talk Titans. We appreciate you, Nick. Let our listeners know what you're what you're working on. Obviously, you're writing a ton over there at the Tennessean. Anything in particular that they should check out in the coming days? Yeah, uh, just uh, file a story that you guys can read right now about Trey Wolf. We didn't talk about special teams, but he had a. Love if you that. guys were you around for Trey Wolf's interviews today? Uh, so I've spoke to him one-on-one a couple of times, but I've, I've not been a part of any group interviews yeah. with him. Well, we, we are well, big on Trey Wolf on this show. Though, I can tell you that much. He talked about his background and I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but three, four months ago, he was working construction in Houston. So mm. he, uh, he, uh, a, a fun little story about that journey. Got a wow. story going up either tomorrow or Thursday. Not sure on the timing about a guy I'm sure Easton has raved about because he and I have talked about him a lot. I've got an Alize Mac feature. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talked to Heinz Ward for this one because Heinz Ward was his coach Ooh. in the XFL. So if you guys want to hear some perspective on that, um, that'll be coming out. And then uh, I think a story about Skaronsky probably later in the week heading back to his homecoming game. So, so that should be a fun one. And then obviously I've got news and observations every day out of practice you can uh read it at tennessean.com you can follow me on my decaying corpse of a twitter account at nick sus that's n-i-c-k-s-u-s-s my twitter account was dying long before it was cool uh let's try and get me back up because i think i'm net negative 800 since taking this job oh so, no we need the um, nashville populace to get on the nick sus train we certainly yeah. are on and we yeah, recommend that you join us this, this is not a complaint by the way my my quality of life has increased so much since i've uh stopped caring as much about twitter but if you want to follow me hmm. i can guarantee two things about my tweets one they're fine and two sometimes they have puns okay he's nick sus this has been the hot read podcast we'll be back first thing friday morning in your podcast feeds and on youtube you can join us live for the taping of that episode on thursday evening around 4 p.m central standard time we'll be talking all things titans ahead of their preseason game number one up in chicago this week looking forward to getting to see some of these guys on the tv screen and not just on the practice field. Nick, thank you so much for your time. Producer JT, thanks for being here. I'm Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you Thursday evening.